Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne podcast. And today I'm so excited. We get to talk with Jim about financial planning. He is a financial planner. I've got lots of questions. We're going to go deep into a lot of these conversations, which I think is going to be really excited because I'm going to hit on some hot topics of today and we get to hear his advice. So with that said, Jim, welcome, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, there's one thing that I love talking about. It's financial planning because I'm a nerd. And uh, so, you know, which is funny because that's never anything I would have been classified like before. Like nobody that knew me would have been like, yeah, you're a nerd. It would have been like, yeah, you're a ski bum or you're, um, you know like to shoot guns, things like that. It was never that he was a nerd, um, which is interesting because I just love finance. And I think of, it's because of what it does. Yeah, no, I, I, I can align with that. This sort of came out of left field for me as well. But I guess looking looking back, it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I never would have guessed. I, I love reading about tax law and stuff by any means. <laughs> well, I'm not quite there yet. So uh, <laughs> actually, you know, it's funny. Every time the Wall Street Journal does put out the thing on like, you know, tax change and policy change, everything else like that. It's like, oh, I got to read this. Yeah, just, good man, stuff. What happened to us? What happened to us? Well, give me an idea here. Talk to me about your background. You, you know, how did you get into this more of this world of financial planning and you know, where, because I don't feel like any of us, not any of us grow up. And as a little boy, we're out chasing people with swords, say, you know what? This is all fun. These games are fun, but I really want to work in financial planning. Yeah. Uh, short story long, I uh, probably about seven, eight years or so back, I uh, I was working in uh, different sales and different capacities. And one, I'm really bad at sales. I know that. I've always known that. And I, I, I don't enjoy it. And then I was working for a company that the, the owner was pretty sleazy, which I didn't know when I started there. Um, anyways, I uh, was leading a sales crew, had some issues. So I left that job. And that led to about an eight-month time of unemployment. And I was in my mid early mid-20s, unemployed, and... Uh, yeah, I just sitting around trying to figure out what you want to do with your life is pretty stressful and gets pretty old. I toss around, you know, teaching geography or, uh, I don't know, being a park ranger, all kinds of random things. What am I actually passionate about and what can I, can I be good at? Well, in the midst of that, I started thinking about financial stress. You know, being unemployed for a sustained period of time can lead to that. So I started thinking about financial stress and um, conversations around money. And I decided that, well, if money is the number one cause of divorce in the U.S., and it's one of the top causes of personal stress and suicide, I would love to help people actually have healthy conversations around their money and actually align their money with what's important to them. So I, I didn't know what that meant or what it would look like. I knew zero, it had zero information about the technical side of financial planning. All I knew is that, man, I, I would love to help people have good conversations about their money and actually just use it for what's important to them. So that was my introduction to finance. And from there, I, I went to a, a big retail um, shop and helped people with taking loans on their 401ks and resetting their passwords. But from day one, I knew that I wanted to sit across the table with families and help them um, yeah, health, have healthy money conversations and align their life with the resources they had. So over time, I just kept digging in deeper. And I went and got my, my CFP or certified financial planner and uh, I spent my nights reading about taxes and estate planning and investments and just kept going from there. And uh, many years later, here I am. That's what I do for work and for fun as well. You know, it's interesting as we find like, and I think this was right along with your your, your kind of story or whatnot. For me, I was the opposite in the fact that I was a salesman. So I was an insurance salesman. That's what I did. And I actually loved it. The reason I loved it was I wasn't a door-to-door salesman or anything, but I was working with the executive suite of companies discussing their financial 
um, issues, struggles, what the goals of the company were, how to meet it. And we were doing that through a design of their employee benefits and everything that falls within that, right? Which is the second largest expense to virtually all organizations. So it's a huge, huge talking point. And it's also has to do with like your, your presentation to employees and what that communicates. And it was just this awesome environment for me to learn in. But through it, it was a sales job. And I, I, I really got, you know, I, I mean, we had to live on a fraction of our income because, you know, there was, I mean, forever, me and my wife lived on 20% of our income because we're like, we don't know if I have a large client leave, they get bought, you know, anything else like that happens. Boom. 40% of my income gone. I didn't have a W2. I didn't have a salary right? It was commission-based. And that got me really early on um, thinking about finance, thinking about personal finance, and really working through on how do we live our life based upon these things. And it's interesting that I had, because of my situation, I had that mentality, but then I go out and I find that people with W-2s don't have that mentality Although for me, I'm like, let's say I had five clients, right? Which meant that, which I had a lot more, like 15 clients, right? That meant I had 15 bosses. And you get very used to being fired when you have 15 to 30 bosses, right? Because it happens, you know, all the time, you know, every year, every other year, one of them ends up firing you for whatever reason. They get a new person, they get blah, 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 blah. doesn't even matter. But my, I felt like my risk was consolidated amongst the large clients because it made up a large portion of my income. Then I started to realize, wow, people with W-2, they have one boss and one source of income, and yet they live on all their income. To me, that was staggering because it could go away. And I was like, I couldn't, you know, because I was so used to income leaving um, as well as coming in, um, being on that revenue side, that was terrifying to me. And terrifying, I think, in a good way that I became obsessed with multiple streams of income, creating wealth, and how do I change my income status, right? And I, it's that's what I think's the similar. When we get in these positions where we actually have to think about it, like you, you don't got a job, you're thinking, how do I help people? What is that, right? It, it created a strain and a stress on you that allowed you to look at finances differently, which then planted the interest in you on how do you bridge that gap? How do you, how, what's financial freedom really look like? What's that? And that was the same way with me, even though I was making a large income, I was terrified always that it was going to leave. So then I, it was that stressor that caused me to relook at things. And it's amazing how that W2 actually make, puts a lot of people in a position to where they don't ever have to think about it or look at it. And they just expect a check every couple few weeks. Right. Um, it's fascinating to me that I think that's the vast majority of why people really get into personal finance. It's the shock, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I had that conversation with my wife and a bunch of friends earlier this year is being, uh, yeah, working a W2 job, you're, you're not diversified as far as your income stream goes. If that's it, you get fired, 100, 100% of your income stream is gone versus in a case like yours, one client fires you, you know, you just lost 15% or you know, whatever, 10% of your, your income. Uh, the chances of all of your clients firing you in one day is pretty slim. Pretty so slim. you're diversified. So no, I, I I completely agree and align with that. And say, yeah, same thing as far as uh, I guess creativity comes when like necessity forces it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I, uh, I have so many conversations with people who are dissatisfied with their current place in life and their current job yet they're just comfortable enough that they're not willing to leave it. Yes. Um, and that's, that's really, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a W2 job, but that is a danger of being, I guess, lulled into comfortable benefits. Yeah. Doing a job that's not horrible, but you're certainly not passionate about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's your, you're okay with doing something that's not bad. And over, yeah. after a long period of time, you're sort of stuck there. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. I feel. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And like I tell people, I have nothing. There's zero problems with the W-2 job if if there's there's an if or a but after that, right? And like you said, people are in a bad situation, that not, not even a bad one, just one they don't want to be in. But it's just, just at that point. It's not to the point of leaving, 
So it's just within their comfort zone so they don't leave, which is like a lot of employers' sole intent. How far can we push this until people quit, right? And then the other part is that they're solely dependent on it. Those are the two factors to me that now your W-2 is very dangerous. Um, It's dangerous because you're wasting away your life. And it's also dangerous because you're not diversifying and your eggs are all in one basket. So for me, I'm like a W-2, a perfect world is you have a great job that you're passionate about and you love, which is great for actually the vast majority of people. Um, And then you're diversifying your sources of income in case of a bad period of time. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, so when I first got into finance, I was W2 and I was working with a great, really large company, very safe job, good income, great benefits. Um, and I, I wanted to leave. Um, I, I spent a good amount of time there. I learned a lot. I got to work with a lot of large client base, um, and get a lot of conversations under my belt, but I, I knew I wanted to get out and do something on my own. And most of my, my peers thought I was nuts. Like, Oh, this, this is great. There's a great company match. Um, in our 401k and there's good health benefits. But the way I look at it is, you know, when I'm, when I'm 60 or 70 and I'm sitting there talking to like my grandkids and they're asking me about my looking back at my life and what I'm grateful for, I might be like, man, there was a, there's a 10% company match in my 401k plan. That was it. Like, I, I think I would have a lot more regret yeah. about not going for something rather than being content with, with a, a peripheral benefit through, a, through an employer. Yeah. I couldn't, I, that's exactly how I was. And now when you're working with people and they're like, okay, maybe, maybe I love my W2, maybe I don't, but like, I'm want to get to a place of financial freedom. Like, how is that set up? How do you, what, what are you working with people on? Hmm. Well, I guess uh, if you don't mind, can I set the context of, sort of what I do? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so I right now, uh, my firm, it's called Intentional Living FP, so for financial planning. Uh, I work specifically with young families who want to achieve early financial independence. So families in their, let's say, mid-20s to mid-40s who want to be able to have, have early work optionality. That's the goal, okay? Uh, how we go through what we do is first establishing not not just like, what are your goals? Do you want to, do you want to quit working when you're 46 or do you want to start a business or, you know, buy a house in the mountains? Like those are all goals and cool and everything, but we take it a step further. I want to understand what are the true most important things to you in your life? So if you have goals, the goals there support something. So for instance, if you want to have a house in the mountains, um, I don't want to leave it at face value. Like I, want, I, I would love to have a house in Jackson Hole. Okay, well, why, why is that important to you? Well, that could be a place for my family to get together and uh, for, for vacation and for holidays. It's like, oh, well, what you're telling me is important is a place to create memories with your family of intentionality. Like, okay, yes. so that is, that's what's important to you. The house itself is a way of supporting that. So if we go to conversations as far as financial freedom or financial independence or moving or even, you know, moving from a W-2 to starting a business, I want to understand that's great. You want to start a business and get out of W-2. Why do you want that? What will that provide for you? Um, is that something that's feasible? Can we do that now? Is that, is, is the goal itself something that we can, that is not attainable at the moment? Just like me personally buying a house in Jackson Hole is not possible today but spending time with my family is something I can do. So if you're telling me you want to leave a W-2 so you have X in your life, maybe you can't jump ship from your job today, but can you still achieve in some capacity the thing that you're actually wanting to do behind that? Um, so that's that's what we do is we start off and if, if I could put into a flow chart, it would be starting in your values. What are the things that are the underlying why in your life? That feeds into goals. So the actual more, more tangible things related to what's important to you. And then from there, we look at what decisions do you have to make? Everything in life requires a decision. There's always trade-offs. There, there will always be opportunity cost. If, if you choose something, you are giving up something else, whether you do it deliberately or not. And then finally, there's actually taking action. So that's that's the framework with the, of the, the conversations we have. Yeah. Now, you know, this is such an important piece that is – you. You think that it's actually sim- simple, but it's really not. This why, right? Like, you know, I, I got lost, for, I think, for a long time because of social media, all sorts of stuff, that my why was supposed to be that 
um, I don't work anymore. It's like I'm retired at age 30 or 35 or whatnot. That's like hell to me. Why would I want to be doing nothing, right? And I guess people are like, oh, no, but you can travel. You can do all that stuff. Still, like for me, I'm a very intention purpose. Like I want to build something. I want to create something. I want to have meaningful impact, all that kind of stuff, right? And I, I think I got lost in this idea that was just, oh, I, I'm going to retire. Or it's like that fire movement and all that, right? And we get in, and I think that because of social media, because of all this information we have coming in at us, it confuses us on our actual why. Like we either hear other people's whys or things like that. And then we're confused about our own real true why. And that can be really hard to get at. Why are, why am I doing the things that I'm doing today? And why, and why should I change? And what does that mean? And how do I change? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, that's something I talk to a lot of people about, especially the fact that I, I work specifically with young people who want early financial dependence. It usually comes to like, oh, you mean fire? It's like, well, in, in a sense. And so if, if for those who don't know, fire is financial independence, retire early. Um, that's something I, I've spent a lot of time reading about and learning. And I, I talk to a lot of these people and I, I like the, the tenets of it. It usually yes. uh, equates yes. to frugality and high savings rates mm-hmm. and... Uh, I guess just desiring freedom, but I, it, I'm concerned that a lot of these people who are so bent on fire on the fire movement are going to one day quit their job when they're 34 and go to Southeast Asia and backpack for a few months and then recognize that they're still bored and empty. And maybe yes. they don't have to have a job anymore, but they don't have community and they yes. don't have purpose. Yes. And that's you, you, it's just really important to make sure that you're not retiring or running away from something, but rather you are opening opening yourself up to more possibilities and options. And that's that's why I frame it with my clients. It's not about early retirement. It's early optionality. It's about time freedom, location freedom, what's important to you and how can we align what you're doing with that? So like for me, for instance, I'm, I'm 31. I have three kids. I have three boys, a three-year-old, a, two, a one-year-old, and a, and a four-month-old. Um, I, I want to be able to retire early or have early work optionality. So I can spend a lot of time with my kids in the mountains, like backpacking and doing those things before they have their own families. So my, my why, my value there is to have time freedom with my boys. Knowing that it would be absurd for me to work day and night all the time while my kids are in my house and miss these moments with them now. If I know that the true purpose there is to spend time with them, I, I would miss the whole point. So because of that, I make sure I, I don't book meetings with uh, with clients before 9 a.m. That way I can be there in the mornings to have breakfast with my kids, play with dinosaurs and monster trucks. And then the evenings, I'm there as, as well. I read to them each night. We hang out. We wrestle because that is what's important. Yeah, early financial freedom and all that stuff is, is great because that will lead to more options later on on what that time looks like. But I, I cannot, and it, it's a it's a regular reminder because it'd be so easy to get caught up in, in pursuing a goal, but missing the mark, you know, uh, is yeah. it Stephen Covey talks about have, climbing a ladder that's leaned up against the wrong, uh, the wrong wall. Yes. I, there's so many people who think they're pursuing the right thing, but they're just doing really well climbing the wrong ladder. Yeah. Um, so, and that's something you regularly have to check back in on. What am I actually trying to achieve? And yeah. it's not, I want, I want financial freedom. That's, that's surface. What do you, what will financial freedom get to you? Why do you want that? Oh, it's because I wish I could have more time to be with my parents as they age. Oh, well, my gosh, go have dinner with them then. Like yeah. you don't have to be, you don't have to have $6 million to go have dinner with your yeah. family. Go do yeah. it. Go do it. You know, it, this is an interesting thing that you bring up too, because it's like, for me, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm very busy and I actually really like that. And so for me, I actually schedule out time. So like I, yeah, I have to prioritize and then I schedule out time for play. Like, okay, this day I have to do this, right? I have to go on this trip. I'm taking, you know, this kid and everything else like that. I, I don't, same with you. I don't do meetings before nine because I took the kids to school. Like I'd get them up, get them ready, take them to school, everything. And that was a great time for me. And so it's, in, I, I think it's really important. Like you said, you don't need to be retired to do those things. That it, That is a, a huge lie. Um, and I actually find that the busiest people that I know actually tend to have the best relationships with their kids 
the reason being is because they're busy, they're very methodical about it. Mm-hmm. They know, listen, I'm spending quality of time here. We're doing this. I've scheduled out. My schedule is broken up here. I'm spending my nights at home with my kids. I'm, all, you know, whatever those things may be, they actually sit down and plan. So they don't just let it happen. They make it happen. And that is a, an interesting thing that I, I think is a, a big, almost delusion, right? That people think that like, oh, well, I either can't have a great relationship with my kid unless I'm home all the time, or, you know, I need to be traveling the world with them 24 seven. And it's like, you know, that's not true, but you need to be very intentional about how you go if those are your goals, right? Which my goals are, I have four kids. So my relationship with them is very important to me, right? Um, and it, if those whys are being driven and driven right, it isn't a if or, right? It's not, it's not that kind of stuff. It's, you need to merge them together and they shouldn't wait. Oh, one day I'll do this. No, I, I like that. You need to take action now to be doing it. Yeah. And again, of, of course, most people's goals are going to change over time. So it is important to have goals. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of science and studies that show that just writing down a goal uh, makes things a lot more present and you're, you're, you're more likely to achieve it just because you write it down. Um, but one, very few people actually just do that. Yeah. Um, but understand that, Hey, have goals. Um, those are going to change. Like, AJ, I bet your goals today are a lot different than they were five years ago. Oh, yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be different in five years than they are today. And that's okay. Like a goal yeah. is simply there to determine what the best next action is. And once you get there, okay, let that determine the next step. And what's the next step and so on. But um, those those values, those underlying whys, like those, those probably stay, those tend to stay pretty consistent with people over time. Like for you, if it's spending time with your kids or for me, I want to put words in your mouth. Like, yeah. Yeah, spending time with the people I care about, um, that's always been important to me and it always will be important. Now, right now it's by playing dinosaurs and reading books and in bed. Uh, yes. It shouldn't be that in 20 years with my kids. Yeah. So it will look different and that's where goals come in. Um, but yeah, just continually to be conscious and, and um, aware uh, with what's important to you. And then again, yeah, you said it is, is being intentional with what you're actually doing and what the decisions you're making, the actions you're taking. Is it actually aligned with what you say is important to you or are you disconnected? Like going back to finance, it always bothered me as a kid when I heard people say like, you know, older people like, you know, oh, I wish I could have gone to, we could have gone to Italy or Europe, but we never could afford it. And I'm looking there seeing a satellite on their roof. It's like, you're spending 300 bucks a month on satellite yeah. telling me that you can't afford to go to Europe. Like, yeah. uh, your your if you if you show me your calendar and your bank account, um, you can I can very quickly determine what is actually important to you. So it's important to make sure that what you're doing and what you want are actually aligned, which that's hard to do. It takes it takes regular uh, reframing. Like it's yes. easy to slip into patterns and social media and stuff, and like just you know, oh, I, I guess I should want that thing, but yeah, maybe you do like. I don't know. I guess in, in personal finance, you always hear people dogging on like a daily latte or buying Starbucks. Like, there's nothing wrong yeah. with buying a latte nothing every day. Wrong. Like if that, yeah. if you love that, fantastic. Yeah. But if 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 you don't, like okay, like cut it out and do whatever. What do whatever else is important to you. So yeah, expense creep is a real thing, and expense creep takes away. Like like you said before, um, there is no like you don't make a decision. And it doesn't have consequences. Everything has consequences. And and that comes down to this idea of being intentional that you mentioned. Like for me, financial security was very, very, very important. So for me, I was investing in commercial um, real estate assets that had passive income because that was so important to me. Um, other people right? They may want adventure or anything else like that. But I find that, like you mentioned, I, I think the vast majority of people don't actually know why they do what they do when they get up. It's all reactionary based. It's And goals that they have are strange goals that they got from society or something else. Like they put up this picture like, oh, I want to retire on an island. Like, why do you want to retire on an island? And they're like, because it's magical or something. Like, well, <laughs> you spend every single day with your family. Right? Are you gonna miss your family if you do that? Oh well, yeah. You know, it, there's just no thought process through it. Or I want a Lamborghini. Like, why do you want a Lamborghini? 
right? And really what it comes down to is I want other people to see me as important or successful. And it's they're missing those core reasons that are truly driving them. And that is just so damaging for for an individual is that you're getting up and you're doing things every day only to find that that ladder is on the wrong wall. And you didn't even know it. You didn't even know how to analyze it. And it's not an easy thing. Like I think for probably you, me, everybody, like we go through these phases and these times in lives, especially in my twenties, where it was like, I got to figure out what I truly wanted. Right. And like why I truly was doing what I was doing. Um, and that can take a while and that's okay. It shouldn't be like, you shouldn't be discouraged about that, but you need to realize that, you know, when you're conservative on money, that provided opportunity and options when I did figure it out. Um, and that was really beneficial and important to me. And also, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know how, how you, the you, age group you're seeing people, young families, things like that. There's opportunity costs, right? So choosing to do, and I view opportunity costs as more as action, not expense. Like you said, the lattes, things like that. I actually don't care nearly as much about that. I care about the actions. Like if you're just saving to save, like for me, I'm like, well, what is your purpose? What is your driven? Are you trying cash flow? Are you what? Like, are you trying to make it higher in this company? Do you want to be an executive? Right? What are the reasons you're doing? Like, what are the actions that you're doing more than the cutting out and the expenses? Like, I want to see, like you said, you what was that? You said your bank account and schedule. Yeah, let me see your calendar yeah. and, and your bank account. <laughs> yes, exactly, because that shows, and I always say this. Like the reason I like economics is because it doesn't care what you say. It only cares about what you do. And that is so crazy. Like I have to do a self auditing to myself. Like I, I map out my days and what I'm doing. Right. And about every two months I have to readjust because my days and what I'm doing or what I've been spending on tend to get away from where I want. And I have to realign. It's just natural. It just happens. So I Mm -hmm. do a self audit to try to bring me back on course. Um, and because I'm, but I'm looking at what I'm doing, right? What my calendar is doing, what I'm doing and what I'm spending on. And that's how I audit it. It's not because of you know, what I say or anything else like that. It's only the action what's happening. Yeah. That's, that's sort of this funny, uh, duality of my job. So like my job itself is half like technical side of things. I, I, spend a lot of time studying the technical side of financial planning, which I love. I nerd out on it all day. And I, I'm the only person I've ever met that reread my CFP books after I passed the test just for fun. <laughs> um, so I, I like that side of things. Yeah. But then I have this other half of my job that is I'm dealing with human emotions yeah. and like people. And, and we can be pretty irrational yes. and emotional and uh, sort of, yeah, like you're saying, yeah. you, you can regularly have to remind yourself, oh yeah, here's what I should be doing. Let's course correct. Um, you know, it's like flying a plane. If you're trying to fly from LA to New York, um, of course we know the mechanics of it. Like, all right, we need this type of lift and we need to go this speed to be able to get there, but things are going to happen and it's regular, like just uh, a little bit of turbulence and a little bit of wind and gusts is going to cause you to over time get off track pretty substantially over a prolonged period of time. And that's why we have pilots up there. And that's why they have uh, autopilot is to yes. regularly and not, we don't, they don't wait until they're over the Rockies to say like, Oh gosh, we need to correct by eight degrees. It's like, no, like every, you know, second by second, they're auto adjusting, making sure they're staying on course. And that's half of my job is just that. Like I can't quantify it to a client say, Oh, we're going to save you this dollars in taxes. It's more like, Hey, you know, you should be doing these things. Here's a gentle reminder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's amazing how our life gets really taken. Like those little things, we're just not even aware of the overall effect that they're having on us. Right. Like it's, we, we don't even know that they're happening to us while they're happening. And that is, I think, half the battle. Like it really mm-hmm. is. It's just being aware of how the, you know, our daily interactions and our daily lives. Because the last thing and the worst thing ever would be to have a midlife crisis, right? When you're 40, 50 years old and you're just like, I don't even know why I'm here. 
I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know like my relationship with my kids. I don't like it's just like you just realize that your whole entire life was subject to um responses from other people and from other mm-hmm. things and other situations. Like you were only retro you were only um, you know, uh defensive and you were just reacting your whole yeah. entire life. And because that you ended up somewhere where you don't even realize, or you don't even know where you ended up. And for me, that was terrifying. That was yeah. always so scary to me is that I just would live a almost pointless life. Right. That's how I decided. So I, uh, in, in previous firms, like, uh, I, I worked, I spent a good amount of time uh, specifically working with physicians on retirement planning. Yes. And most financial planning firms work with like people who are about to retire or retirees because it's usually then to have those, you know, pretty good amount of money saved. And, you know, based off of fees, you can make more money by by working with them. Um, and I, I had, I don't know, probably around 20,000 conversations with these people. And I loved it. I liked working with these people and helping them enjoy retirement and see their grandkids more. But ultimately, when I just started to decide to start my own firm, I decided to work with people like me because I wanted to help them navigate from an early on actually designing their life around what's important to them and navigate from yes. their from their 30s all the way through. That yes. way we don't look back and regret. Like I have, I, I don't know how many conversations I've had with people who are by all uh, outward appearance, they're phenomenally successful. So again, I work with a lot of physicians who make, I don't know, 500,000 to a couple million dollars a year salary. Um, and yeah, they, they have great toys and great things, but probably the most, one of the most common stories I had with clients and it, it came in different varieties, but a very common story was, you know, Mr. and Ms. Smith, they're in their early sixties. They're about to retire. They have, you know, several million dollars and a healthy income. And uh, we're talking about, you know, life and what he's done and what they want to do when they retire. And then I, I like to ask people like, hey, how, like, how did you get to where you are today? Um, and what what chose you to make these decisions? And a very common story is, oh, when when I was a kid, money was always tight. And because of that, I had to hear my parents fight about money. I had, you know, bad clothes and we weren't sure if we were going to have food on the table and the lights would go off. And it just led to a bad childhood. So when I was a kid, I decided that I wanted to make sure that I made good money so that my kids had a better childhood than I had. Yeah. So, wow, that's that's a that's a touching story. Yeah. And so now fast forward and we're, they're in my office and we're talking. Okay, hey, you're really successful financially. You did it. Um, how are your kids? Did they have a great childhood, the one that you wanted? And then there's always this pause. And it's frankly, probably 70% of the time, there's tears by at least one spouse as they recognize, you know what? Yeah, we have a lot of money, but I don't know about the kids. I spent so much time working. I don't even know if they had a good childhood. Yeah. Um, and again, that's, there's so much regret in that moment of like, yeah, your kids didn't have tattered clothes and didn't have to worry about the lights getting turned off, but you didn't have a relationship. Yeah. Um, because again, there were so many just small decisions over a prolonged period of time that led to where you are today. And maybe you had, maybe you climbed the ladder really high, but maybe it was leaned against the wrong wall and there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money, but of course, like, the money, your money is just simply a resource that is there to help you do what's important to you in life. Yeah. So keep that, in, keep that in front of mind. And that's again, why I working with older people and retirement planning, it was half the time. It was pretty sad. It was like, all right, you have a lot of money, but like, let's, okay, we have, we can make up for it for the last 25 years of your life and try to enjoy it. Yeah. But if, I, I, that's why I wanted to have these conversations earlier on. It's like, hey, yeah. Perfect. Your kids are two. Let's, let's talk let's, about this. Yeah, let's be a great dad. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorites. So a client I have now, um, when they husband and wife just became clients, we were talking like, hey, why are we having this conversation? What's going on? And the husband said basically like, man, I was I was just on a deployment, is in the military. And I realized during that you know prolonged period of time away from my family, I realized that I've been a pretty bad husband and dad. Um, and I want to fix that. And part of that's financially. I've been throwing away money on junk. But part of it's just like, I'm not present. Like, okay, let's, how do we shift everything you have, your time, your resources, your wealth, your frame of mind? How do we adjust that? So it actually does what you say is important to you. And like, that's one of the biggest joys. That same client, a few months later, we were talking, we set up an account for his daughter, who's three. We set up an account for his daughter's wedding. 
And uh, one of the best compliments I got was, Jim, I you're managing this money for the wedding. I fully expect for you to be at the wedding there um, when she gets married. I was like, man, that's that's amazing. So yeah, um, yeah it's just this, this opportunity er, to early on actually do what's important to you. You know, and it's interesting when you put it, it's that idea once again of the latchkey generation, right? Where the work and the actions didn't actually meet with the goals. We're doing this for our kids. Um, and then it turns out that now too, I don't want to like any of you people living here like, yeah, that's my dad, you know, be nice to him because they did it for you. Right. They gained 80 pounds going out to dinner meetings and everything else. else like that. I don't want it to give it an excuse for you to have like bad behavior towards your parents or whatnot, because it, what happened was it was a idea of intentions were not aligned with outcomes. And so although they were doing it for the kids and they did do it for you, every kid that's listening here, every kid. And when I say kid, I mean all of us, right? That have parents that sacrificed, that went out and worked and did everything to try to get you ahead, make sure you could get to college. Because today it's so different, right? Like today, anybody can go to college, right? That's not how it was for our parents, right? My, my dad went to college, but he could only go for a couple of years and he couldn't afford it. There was no government assistance. There was no debt programs, Right. So in their minds, they're like, I've got to pay for your college or you can't go to college. That means I got to work extra. Right. But the problem is it didn't line up with what was actually needed. And that was with the uh, parents being more aligned with their kids and spending time. Right. Like I was fortunate because my dad had more of a work schedule being a salesman, right? And he would be at our activities or I could travel with him. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So I always had my parents, right? Um, but I had a lot of friends that weren't. We'd go after their house after school and his parents, you know, he's done at three. His parents don't even get home till 6.30. Then they're home with one, one hour and they go to bed and they're gone by the next day. And he takes himself out to school. He doesn't, you know, he didn't even, they lived a totally separate life, which was very strange to me because I was very involved with my family, which I believe was a huge indicator of a successful life and a well-balanced relationship with my parents. And so it, it's the perfect example, though, the intention, what we're doing didn't line up with the outcome. And we say that, you know, people, we say, oh, you, you say, your parents did this and this, this, but what are you doing today? The problem is, is they're basically, so many people are repeating those mistakes of the past, yet they're doing it in a totally different way or they're not, or they're doing it in a wrong way. Another way that I see people is like, they're overly loving to their children, right? And I mean that in the nicest way because I'm like the cuddliest person alive. Like, like me and my kids, like they sleep with me. Like last night I got my youngest and he's just holding onto my face at night and I'm holding with him and I love it. Like, I'm like kissing my daughter, like hug and cuddle and right. I'm a cuddly flipping dad right? But at the same time, I'm like, you guys got to work. You got to be a, like, you got to be like, and it's this idea, once again, of trying to line up. I want you to become a good person when you get older. So what resources are you giving them? Are you giving them good worth ethic? Are you giving them, are you teaching them the right things, right? Or are you not preparing them at all because you just are you you're the pendulum swing the other way from the parents? I got to be so present. I got to be with you all the time. Do you need something? What do you need? You can't fail. I'm not going to let you fail, right? And so I feel like our generation, the pendulum has swung the opposite way, and then all of a sudden we've got our ladder up again on a wrong wall. And now mm -hmm. you know, and it's this idea that is perfect, and I think this comes with finances. All this is finance. I know we're talking about kids, but it's, I feel like finances and children, like it's just the impact of finances is leveraged with children, right? That impact is exaggerated with kids because we can see the impact way more on them than we do ourselves because we're the ones achieving it. And the, um, the outcome is so much more damaging and we care so much mm -hmm. in society about that outcome with children that we do obviously go work yourself to death. Nobody cares. Right. But if you screw up all your kids, everybody cares because then we have to all deal with them in society. Uh, so, but when you're looking at that pendulum and finances, it's really a middle ground. It's, it's this idea that you're like, I can't have children because I can't afford them. What? Like the, no generation prior has had this conversation, right? It's like, well, when you say you can't afford them, that means you need, you can't afford them because you want to take two trips to, 
um, to tour through, you know, Europe every year and you want your big, nice house and everything else like that. Right. And so it's this readjustment of what we spend our money on, what our ultimate goals are. Like you want a family, but you can't afford it, but yet you don't live a lifestyle associated with that. And it's just when all financial problems, when I talk about financial freedom, when I talk about investing, when I talk about all these things, it's exactly what you've pinpointed and what you've said. It's an it's a separation here of intent, action, and result. And that alignment, that's why I, I'm such a big believer in whether it's like, you know, you like financial planners or coaches or whatnot, when you're in these beginning stages, because you don't know. And to have somebody that's a third party take a step back and say, all right, here, you say these things. Here's your goals that are written down. Like anybody that knows I'm obsessed with goals. I have journals sitting here. I have my long-term, my short-term, and my daily, right? You know, I'm obsessed with it. Um, but you say these things, and yet we see what you're doing. We see what you're spending. And without sometimes having a third person really look at that, it's hard. And it's hard to line. It's hard to to figure out here what you're doing. So anybody listening to this, like, go find a third party. Now, dude, don't, when I say go find a third party, you got to be careful, right? I'm, I'm not talking about go, go ask your, your mother who's like, yeah, you should be a doctor. Just go be a doctor. Cause I want you to be a doctor, right? You know, that's, that's not what we're talking about. A true third party, not a friend, somebody that wants to be your cheerleader, pump you up. That's not anything that you want, right? You either uh, a financial planner, a coach, however that works, right? To get you started so you don't keep wasting days. You don't yeah. keep wasting actions and save your sp- you, you spend your money because you don't even know what to do with it, right? So mm-hmm. it just goes away. You don't even know where it's going. You don't even know what it's doing because you have no plan. You have no action, right? That is how we waste life today. We don't waste yeah. life by sitting in a field looking at stars, right? We waste li- life by doing things we shouldn't be doing and spending money on things we shouldn't be spending. Yeah, and that's... So you just highlighted, so we, I guess we're sort of making our way through that flow chart of values and then the goals. And then you just, what you just uh, talked about right there was decisions. Like everything again requires, there's decisions to be made. There's trade-offs, there's opportunity cost. So if, yeah, if you're deciding to cuddle your kids to the point of coddling, um, that's a decision you're making. And the trade-off there is, yeah, like I, I love, I, I love cuddling my kids and like my three-year-old every once in a while, when he's asleep, I'll go in there and just cuddle him oh, yeah. for a bit. But the thing is, there's a trade-off. Yeah. I know that if he wakes off, if he wakes up while I'm I'm in there cuddling him, he's gonna think, oh, it's okay it's to okay. get up and go into dad's room at night. Then I have to deal with him coming in my room at three in the morning for a week until I retrain him. Yep. So I have to I have to process that decision. Is yes. it worth cuddling and waking him up for getting up for the next few nights and he re- retraining his sleep patterns? And yeah, over the long term, like. Yeah, I, my kids need to know they're they're cared for and cherished. Yeah, um, but also need to raise independent, strong, uh, healthy uh, men. Yes. And how do how, what decisions do do I make for them, and do we make together as we raise them? So, and that, that goes to money as well. Like, I mean, this is something as base money as like uh, like let's, let's say this year because taxes are pretty pretty big, and there's a lot yeah. of conversations. So, like, yeah. let's say doing a Roth conversion. So. Um, I have a client right now. We're 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 talking through converting, I, or for me personally, I just converted about one hundred seventy thousand uh, dollars in a in a Roth conversion. That was a pretty big decision. I'm accelerating my taxes from future years into this into this present year, so that's a financial decision. Over okay, I can accelerate the taxes, which means I'm going to have to come out of pocket with a pretty decent chunk of change next spring, which is an opportunity cost of you know, tens of thousands of dollars that I could have put towards something else uh, versus, hey, I'm going to accelerate these taxes so I won't have to pay it next year. And yes, I'm out of pocket, you know, tens of thousands, but where is that balance of making the right decision? So there, again, there's opportunity cost everywhere. And sometimes it's sometimes it takes deep analysis. Sometimes it just takes being aware that you're making decisions. Uh, we go through life so frequently just sort of coasting. Um, I, have, I, have, I have one client um, in the last... I don't know, 10 months, she has paid off like tens of thousands of dollars of debt. And she's so, it was funny. We were talking last week and she was like, gosh, Jim, I'm so grateful for our relationship. I can't imagine doing this without you. I have done next to nothing on the technical side of financial planning, but what served her is just those conversations over like, Hey, we'll call her Susan. Hey, Susan, um, 
what do you want? Like, what do you really want to achieve? And we started talking and she, she recognized in our conversations that financial stress, like she, she regularly wakes up during night because she has credit, so much credit card debt and she lives way above her means. She makes really good money, but yet she has so, she has no financial peace. And then once she recognized that, I was like, man, this is not worth the stress. Yeah. Um, and now here we are, fast forward 10 months later, she still enjoys things. Like she has a really nice car and eats out and travels and all, all that, but she's just trimmed. She's made small purposeful decisions where now she's trimmed her budget just a little bit where she's paid off substantial debt. And now she, she we were talking last week. She's like, man, I actually, for the first time in my life, I feel like I actually have control over my finances and I'm not stressed about it. So thank you, Jim. I was like, I, I didn't do it. There's that, that was the easiest job, but yeah, it's about, being aware of what are you, what are you doing? And then checking back with, does this actually align with what's important to me? So all, all, all of my clients, and I, 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 I would encourage anyone to do this um, besides like setting goals and is can, asking why behind the goal itself, but also having like a, a, a mission statement for your personal life. So there's a guy, uh, I consider him a mentor. Uh, his name's Carl Richards. He has all of his clients establish what's called a statement of financial purpose. So that's something I do with my families I work with is all of our families. I have once, uh, once we've gone through and we, we talk about their money, we go back and say, okay, I want you to summarize in one sentence, the statement of your financial, of your financial purpose. So finish this sentence for me. I want, we want to have financial independence so that and then once we decide what that is, so a mentor of mine, his is financial financial independence to have more time with family, mostly outdoors. It's like, okay, that, that statement right there will be the headline of all of your financial plans. And that will be the, the, uh, the base layer for all the decisions we make. And if whatever decision we make, if it is not checking the box of, yes, this will help me spend more time with my family and mostly outdoors, then we need to either rethink what we're doing or take a different action. So yeah, it's a way of keeping I, yourself accountable. I love that. And you know, it's funny because like we have like our family motto, right. You know, and then we have, uh, we discuss, so we discuss openly and to whether you have kids or not, this it all applies. We're not, you know, so for me, I'm very open Obviously, everybody on this podcast knows with finances. I make literally YouTube so on our investments. I, I talk about everything. I'm as transparent as it gets because I believe that uh, a huge lie that we had and that was last generation was you, you don't talk to your kids about those things or it's a faux pas for some reason, which only damages people's ability to make good decisions or know what they should be doing or compare results and everything else. So with my kids, we talk about everything. Right. It's there's no question. And that's not only kids, that's employees. That's my listeners. Right. When they have questions, I just answer them because it's so important to me that we get the information out there. And this idea of having a motto or having a purpose and a financial purpose and then repeating it, understanding why you're doing it and the reasons right behind it. I I just love that. It's I mean, it's we talk about goals, but that's higher than a goal right? That comes back down to your why. And then your why dictates your goals and reminds you of why you're trying to achieve them, which is just just as important. Um, so yeah. we've talked about this kind of getting started, things like that. Um, real quick, I know we've been going for a long time. I just love this, this, this kind of talk about here, but um, when you're talking to people that are trying to get out of their current situation, like when they're like, hey, I want to make big changes, right? I want to replace my income. I want to do what are the most common things that people need to do to start moving on a direction of financial freedom? Yeah. Um, I guess not to rehash, but one is take inventory. There, there's two places we need. We It's really take inventory and it's on two places. The, the quality side of things. So again, Hey, you say you want to make some big changes. What are those? Why do you want to make these changes? How that impact your lifestyle? Those sort of things. And then also the quantifiable changes like, or taking inventory there. Like, okay, you said you want to do these things. Where are you financially in this moment? Most people don't know even what their balance sheet looks like or what their cash flow is. So that's as simple as like balance sheet. Okay, what do you own versus what do you owe? And then your cash flow, what's coming in versus what's going out? 
And uh, once you have those drilled down, and even in, frankly, in the simplest sense, just getting a grasp over where you are there, that will tell you, like, okay, I have I have $40,000 in cash in the bank, and I have $2,000 a month of passive income, and I need $6,000 a month to sustain my, my lifestyle if I want to be able to quit my job to try something new. So like, so for me, for instance, uh, again, I'm 31, three kids. My wife, she, she has a full-time job of watching our three kids. So she doesn't, no one pays her for that. Um, in January, uh, my wife and I, we've been talking for a really long time, but in January, we decided for me to branch out and start my own firm. And Kendra, Kendra's my wife, Kendra and I said, okay, well, I'm not going to take a salary for 18 to 24 months. Um, now one, we were able to do that uh, because we we live frugally and well below our means, and we we figured this this time would come eventually. So over a sustained period of time, we have because of that we have the freedom to do this. Now, two, um, we had everything lined up to be able to do this based off of we know how much we spend, we know how much we have, and we know how we'll get our income for the next eighteen to twenty four months until I start paying myself a salary. Okay, so if you can get that established then you'll at least have your have an understanding over like, okay, is this, is this possible? And if it's possible, to what degree? So can you go like I did in full cold turkey, no income, I'm living off of savings and then a home equity line of credit. And then if push comes to shove, a line of credit. And if push really comes to shove, dipping into an investments, which I could, I, could, I could go for a really long time if I had to do that. Um, or do you need a little bit more blended, uh, blended path. Like I'm helping a client right now. Their husband and wife are about to both quit their jobs and both are going, going to move into consulting. Okay. Y'all could, y'all could do this for about a year. Um, is that something you want to stress over like this better work within one year? After talking through that, it was, eh, let's, we looked at, we, again, we analyzed where are you right now? Um, okay, perfect. You can go one year before you better be successful. Eh, it's not worth it. That's going to be too stressful. One of us will keep our job, and until one, until the, the the husband's consulting job gets up, and then we'll switch, and then the wife will try. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, just so simply taking inventory. Um, so again, I, I encourage everyone here, and of course, like AJ, your listeners are going to be better about this than I would say the average person. Uh, but at least have a have an understanding over where you are currently, as far as you know. It's really the snapshots are balance sheet, so what you what you own versus what you owe, and then your cash flows, what's coming in versus what's going out. No, I love that, and you know, honestly, we could I could literally just talk about this stuff all day, but I think that's probably the perfect way to cap this. Understanding those balance sheets, understanding those income statements, preparing building them, figuring out which ones, like think of it as chess, like where in this process, where in this balance sheet do I need to make that move, right? So if I'm, this is my goal and I'm looking at my financial statements, where in them do I need to make change? Where do I need to cut, right? Where do I need to um, bring up or move forward, right? And just playing with those things as you go and it'll create a clearer path as you get along. Well, Jim, Seriously, thank you so much. I love this conversation. Personal finance is just so absolutely interesting to me. Um, But before we go off, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about uh, what you're doing? Yeah. um, So the the name of my firm is Intentional Living FP. And uh, you can go to my website. It's intentionallivingfp.com. On there, I I have my my personal calendar. Um, If you'd like, you can put 15 minutes on there. And, uh, if it's, if you have a one-off question, like, Hey, what's the difference between Roth and pre-tax my 401k, I'll be glad to, to give you an answer. Um, or if you want to find a time and see, um, if I could actually be of help to you in navigating early financial independence, I'd love to talk. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for the conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.